Welcome to the Rewire Your Attachment Style podcast. This is Maya Diamond, and today I'm really excited to talk to two incredible humans, Tara Davina and Zev Aaron. This is a really special couple interview as I get to interview one of my best friends and also my business partner, the co-founder of Empower Love, Tara. Tara Davina is the co-founder of Empower Love, and she has helped our company grow to graduate over 200 members and counting, and has helped thousands through our free podcast, free Facebook group, and articles. She's also the musician who created the song that I chose to start this podcast intro with, Be Love. She creates songs that are comforting and encouraging during times of transition and heartbreak and happens to be one of my favorite musicians of all time, definitely check out her Spotify channel. In addition, she coaches entrepreneurs to use creativity and self-expression to reach their audience and multiply their revenue. You can learn more at her website, taradavina.com. And um, as you can see, she's just a wealth of creativity. Her fiance, Zev Aaron, is the founder of Wolfpack Medicine Coaching. He brings groups of men together for profound healing and growth. He also coaches families who are in need and struggling to take care of one of their pack members to strengthen the pack as a whole. He is a member of the Medicine Path Native American Church and lives in Marin, California, and where he's engaged to our amazing Tara. So, um, my first question is how did the two of you meet? The old fashioned way. We met on Tinder. Yay. Um, and how did, what did you notice both internally and externally in the beginning that had you move forward with this person? Like what had, you know, like, Oh, I want more. I want to keep going with this person. For me, it was Zev's emotional intelligence and the way that I felt really met. Mm. I think we were actually having an uncomfortable conversation about the potential of our relationship at the time. We thought maybe it would go in a different direction than it has. And just in that conversation, I felt so, so met and seen and heard. And I was just so appreciative of the, the level at which he was sensing and feeling and navigating. Mm that I I remember thinking like, well, if it's, if it's not him, I want, this is what I want now. Like I know the benchmark for what it feels like to be with someone who can meet me in that way. Mm, Awesome. So, so beautiful. Thank you. And Zev, what about you? What had you kind of wanting to continue? And I mean, as you know, there's just something about Tara. She's a remarkable person. It was just like so many layers deep, you know, and each time I would peel back a layer it was just like oh that's exactly the kind of layer I'm 
I was kind of looking for in a partner, you know, it's like mm-hmm. um, just her, her playfulness and her um, depth of integrity and sort of her own medicine and sort of spiritual journey and just her overall like view of the world just kept kind of like, I don't know, drawing me in. Like you ever look at a star for a long time, you just keep wondering why you look at that star. There's a million other stars in the, in the sky. You know, it's kind yeah. of like, just like this, this woman just kept having my attention, you know? Mm-hmm. Love it. So, so awesome. Um, and I'm wondering, let's kind of bring in attachment here early on in this interview. Sometimes we do it later. Sometimes people who I interview aren't couples I interview aren't necessarily familiar with this language. Um, so I'm curious to hear what do you feel like, um, your background kind of growing up your attachment style is or was was and then what do you feel like it is now in this relationship and you can and just so everyone knows I believe there's four attachment styles I believe we're a combination of all of them sometimes we don't have very much of anyone sometimes we have a couple that predominate um, secure, anxious, avoidant, and disorganized are the four. Um, and secure is when you feel like there's more than enough love to go around. You trust love, you trust yourself, you trust others. You can communicate your needs and feelings and boundaries. Anxious is you feel preoccupied in love. You worry that your partner might leave and or that maybe you're not enough. And then disorganized is um, both a combination of anxious and avoidant, which is when someone gets close, there's a lot of fear that comes up. So you might push partners away, but at the same time, you really crave intimacy. And with avoidance, um, there can be um, a desire for intimacy, but also again, yeah, that maybe some, a lot of need for space and um, shutdown that can happen as well as um, feelings of, you know, really being really self-reliant and so wanting partnership, but also sometimes having a hard time with it because of that self-reliance, but also that need for independence and, um, and uh, yeah, being on your own. So, uh, yeah. And with the disorganized, yeah, it can be coming from, again, this is the attachment style that really people talk about the least. So I like to talk about it. I'm really trying to talk about it the most these days because it's such an under talked about attachment style. Um, so the disorganized is really coming from a place of trauma. So one or both of your pair, um, primary caregivers, was uh, a source of trauma and fear. So there was chaos and disorganization in the household. So that's just a little overview for people. Of course, I can talk for hours and hours about each attachment style, but just kind of thinking about like, what what do you feel like you were growing up and what are you are now? Is it disorganized somebody who represents all the other attachment styles? It's sort of like they kind of move it's in a, each of them or it's its own sort of style? It's its own style. And um, it's really a combination of anxious and avoidant at the same time. 
like co-arising, not that you flip between them necessarily. Got it. But you can be avoided and anxious at the same time. Yeah. In other words, like when your partner comes close, it's like so much fear comes up that you're aware of with avoidance. You you're not, there is a deep fear, but you're not aware of it. So, um, or there's lots of fears, intimacy, fears, anxiety, that, you know, anxiety, the anxious feels, but the avoidance aren't aware of the fear. Whereas disorganized, you more feel the fear. Got it. It's helpful because I didn't really know any about this stuff until I met Utah. So I'm still yeah. learning. Yeah, exactly. Great. Well, from my perspective, I was avoidant or leading avoidant attachment style up until age 30. Um, around age 29, actually, I had a kind of an epiphany spiritual awakening experience where I got a lot more in touch with my feelings. Like there was a lot of layers that got peeled away. Mm -hmm. And I actually then transitioned into a primarily anxious attachment style. Like I really get it when I hear like anxious is lurking underneath all avoidant attachment. Um, and that oftentimes people kind of go mm -hmm. from avoidant to anxious to secure. Yeah. Um, and so since age 30, I really primarily, you know, I went through a huge phase where I would choose avoidantly attached partners and go through all of that until I thank God met you and um, was able to wave goodbye to that pattern. <laughs> um, and now I'm definitely, you know, I've got some secure qualities for sure. And I have anxious attachment style. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you're exactly knowing you. Yeah. There's anxious and they're secure. There's both. You're really able to communicate your needs and feelings and boundaries and relationship. But then you also have some anxious stuff that comes up. Sounds like. And um, Zev, what about you? Do you just get an answer for me and tell me what I am? Retort. I mean, I think from what I've been hearing, I would say I probably have an anxious attachment style, but mm -hmm. I also am sort of striving for a secure attachment. Like I have some inner sense that it's possible. So I sort of like, I, I orient towards partnership in a way to try to get some secure attachment, I think is mm -hmm. maybe a longing of sorts. I think you have a lot of secure attachment and a lot of anxious attachment qualities, but as yeah. Do you want to, that would be helpful. I think for everyone to learn, like what are the qualities that you see in him that are secure? Yeah. There's a lot. And otherwise I don't think I would be so happy mm. and relaxed in our relationship. Mm. Um, what's secure about him is a, he's in the relationship with two feet in. He doesn't threaten the relationship. Mm. He reaffirms it, especially in moments of conflict or disconnect. Mm -hmm. um, he's that's, reassuring. That's a, yeah. He's reassuring and he, he doesn't run away mm. when things get hard. He stays in the fire. Mm -hmm. um, he speaks with kindness always um, to me. He's never unkind, mean, critical, et cetera. Um, mm -hmm. That's very secure. He speaks about the future and wants to plan the future in a grounded way. Mm -hmm. um, it sticks to, you know, like sticks to those future plans. They're consistent right. and ongoing. It's not like, you know, a bunch of random stuff that comes up um, just to make him feel secure. And um, he creates long-term healthy relationships with other people in his life, like his right. family. Mm -hmm. And um, so mm -hmm. his secure behavior is not only limited to our relationship. I see it in his parenting style. I also see it in his relationship with his former partner. I see it in his relationship with his siblings and his parents. And um, even in relationships that are challenging, he shows up with a fairly um, consistent ability to stay in it. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, 
I would say, I mean, there's honestly, there's probably a million more ways that mm-hmm. uh, I can describe him as secure, but those are just some of the main ones that come to mind first. This guy sounds like a great guy. I'm really into sounds, him. <laughs> sounds like a really good person. I mean, um, I guess I'm curious for the two of you though. So like, that's helpful for me to hear, but it's like, when I think of my childhood, I don't think that was necessarily modeled for me necessarily. So it's like, was I born with some of these qualities? Is it something that I picked up from some family member who gave me secure attack? Like think of like my older brother, Noah, who was always pretty mm. as a young child. Like, so I had like, and he's still somebody I feel really connected. Like it's sort of where I think I have the most attachment. That's my huge. Yeah. But I'm curious, are we born with some of this? Is it all based on relational trauma or like relational experiences? It's or- both. It's both biological and conditioning. So yeah, it's probably a combo, but definitely um, that's something that's not in the liter- psychological literature very much, but hmm. <clears throat> but um, our sibling relationships have a strong influence on our, especially if you were really close and maybe your parents weren't, you know, were working a lot or whatever. They really have a strong influence on our attachment style because exactly that might've been your love, what I call love object. In other words, the person that you loved that cared for you and that you felt safe with. And so of course that's going to really create part of your attachment. Also, I would just point out that you were in a very securely attached relationship for many, many years, what's it, 20 years? Mm -hmm. And that attachment heals in relationship mm. and so i'm sure you had a lot of big healing happen yeah. just by being in a safe secure um dynamic for so long exactly yeah for sure so great so now that we've kind of talked a little bit about attachment style i would love to talk about um conflict so how i believe that conflict It's not the amazing, loving, blissful, high moments that make a relationship. It's the, how do we navigate and actually work through conflict to the other side? So it's done and completed and we can move on and go back to the bliss. Um, How, so I'm wondering, how do you navigate conflict? How do you resolve it? How do you work through it? Um, Yeah. I mean, primarily I just listen to what Tara says and then go back to better no i'm just kidding which is actually partially true but i think for me the thing i just want to say about conflict um is that my my tar mentioned that i was married before we didn't really fight in my last marriage it was sort of like okay. it wasn't a lot of conflict it was sort of like i mean maybe i did stupid stuff sometimes and then there would be like like hurt feelings and conflict and mostly that was around when i used to drink still uh, but there was not really fighting we didn't fight about small things or like it wasn't like um so this has been new for me to be in a relationship where there's um okay. conflict and things can get heated and things can get intense and uh yeah. So it's been confronting on one level to be like, wow, okay, like I'm not really accustomed to this. So it's new again. Like I think the last time I really had conflict was in some like high school relationships. Um, mm. So it's been eye-opening for me to see both the depth of what gets um, shared in those experiences. The, uh, for me, I, I think I, curious what you think. For me, what I track is just the amount of energy that gets moved. It's like, if it gets loud or it gets intense or it gets like whatever it gets, mm-hmm. it's just like, all of that was sort of simmering behind the surface. I feel like sometimes, and it's like, feels like these conflicts are sort of like a volcanic eruption. And it's like all this lava from underneath gets, comes out and it's sort of a, a clearing or a purification that um, I think that at least I'm learning because Tara is really good at speaking her truth. And she's just like has such insight and sees what she sees that like, if I can slow myself down enough to just hear enough of it, I can kind of get, get sort of what she's trying to say. And I think, the last thing mm. I would say mm. about conflict is there's usually something I'm not hearing 
And that's why either Tara's getting really upset and getting louder or I'm getting louder. It's like someone's not hearing something, which mm-hmm. is usually me to be transparent, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. uh, and so I'm starting to pay more attention to that. You don't give yourself enough credit. Yeah, you know. Um, yeah, I mean, one thing I love about Zev in conflict is that he really does just stay put. He's not like he might be uncomfortable, but he's just there and in it. And he's not like he's super responsive. He's not like, let's just leave in the middle of this incredibly difficult conflict and let that fester. He wants to resolve things in the moment. And I think that's partially our dual anxious styles. Like we both just want to get it handled, which is one of the real bonuses about uh, the rare anxious, anxious combo (laughs) Um, is that we both just want to resolve the thing and get back to love. Like we're both so desperate to have it be over at some point in the near future. (laughs) But I also, I think of what one of my teacher George says, like, and this is for, you know, I don't know what the split of men versus women who listen to the show is, but like, as a man who thinks I'm pretty strong and courageous, like it's scary when Tara gets upset with me. I just want to be clear. It's scary. It's like being face to face with like, um, I don't know, like a full on tiger, like a lioness, you know? And it's like, like I'm in the lioness's mouth, you know? And it's a full, like the whole creative force of your being coming through is super in, like, it's scary, <laughs> you know? And so I'm, I'm having to navigate my own fear Mm-hmm. And from it and stay stay in it and that's yes right you know, I so. love that you said that but one of my favorite books um called the masculine and for men called the masculine relationship that we interviewed the author in one of the fir- very first podcasts of this podcast um he talks about yeah just really you know staying put as the mountain as this strong powerful mountain and like breathing into that so that you can like, you know, handle the force of the feminine, which is like, if the feminine is angry, really sad, like really hurt, it's fucking, excuse my language, a huge, powerful force. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. And I guess I said that only to really, I hope it's received as a compliment and as a, just a blessing of women, but it's like women listening or men, it's like, it's okay to recognize that the men are scared, not admitting it, but they're scared, you know, it's scared. Sometimes men, Men have two choices. And this is also something I wanted to compliment Tara on. It's just like, I didn't mm. realize how my silence or my quietness, it could also be weaponized. You know, like I don't really scream. I'm not a screamer. I come from a long line of men who got really angry and snappy. And so like, I've sort of trained mm. myself to not be that way. Mm. But I, I think until I was with you, I really mistook that as like, you know, you could be quiet and still be like throwing bombs, you know? And I think that's also important to just like, for me to recognize it's like, how to up-level my own game to be sometimes like I'm noticing it is better if I get a little louder versus being soft-spoken and still being an asshole or something. Right. So like, um, I, don't know, I don't know how that resonates. I've encouraged him to get loud and just like allow, like, and be, mm. and generally give him positive feedback if he does that, because mm. it's not, he doesn't have the problem of like getting overly heated and Mm -hmm. I think it's so good. I'm so happy for him when he gets to yell a little bit, you know, nice. (laughs) That's awesome. I love, I love that piece, which is like how in relationship you can encourage your partner to expand in these new ways because it's safe enough. Like you can handle his, you can handle more of that energy that maybe might've been, that might be a little bit scary for him to fully step into with you. And then he gets to stretch into this new 
um, new place that might be uncomfortable, but allows even more power to come in. Yeah. And I think as someone with anxious attachment, it's actually feels safer for me to have someone fully expressed than to have than to feel it brewing beneath the, the surface. Like I would rather yes. see what's on display. That's um, also an empath thing, in my opinion. Like we, we want to actually, we are, we already feel what's happening underneath the surface. So like, please just you know, share whatever that is. Yeah, and I, I just say I'm pretty empathic. So if you want to just keep it underneath the surface, I'm <laughs> that. I'll just know so if that's ever an option. You um, do know. You, you don't have to get all <laughs> But I also want to just say, like, one of the things that's been interesting for me being with Tara is like, I mean, the two of you have so much, like, not even like forget just like your own pedagogical wisdom, but just like experiential relational wisdom from your own relationships, but from all the women you've worked with. So it's like, I feel like I'm getting a masterclass on, I thought I was a, like a, a relationship pro. And I feel like um, being with Tara has definitely been like, like, okay, now I really get to step into more of what I thought was possible. And also what drew me to Tara too, is like, okay, mm. we can like, go into these things and, and both be interested in them. But um, mm. it's amazing. Like I didn't realize what, because I've been married for so long since I was really in my early twenties, it was like, I didn't know what people have been going through into our thirties and 35, like, what happens as people get older in relationships and how hard it is to find people who are really willing to commit and not run. Um, and it's not and just do the work, do the deeper work. work to look at your shadow. This is hard. Like it's been like, we've only been together eight months. It's been the most magical experience of my life. And some of it's hard. Of and course. Like, to get, you know, it's like training. Nine yeah. Months, me, nine months. And Three. actually <laughs> I would love to ask you Zev, because I think, you know, one of the things that I'm really passionate about that I know you are too, is really expanding men's consciousness on the planet and really, um, bringing them deeper into their heart. And I'm wondering if you could share just so the other men can hear in the audience, like what is the shadow work that you've done that in your life individually that you feel like has brought you to this place of being able to meet Tara, which we can definitely hear that you're able to meet her. Yeah. Um, I think it's, it's really starting to make contact with feelings. I mean, it's like, I, and I used to do work with Yale university and their emotional intelligence lab. And that's where we started working with men. It's like, mm. um, and for me, it started with doing some dream work uh, mm. many years ago. And I was doing a dream work session and, and, uh, I was describing a feeling I had in a dream. The, the dream work person said, do you ever feel that way in your day? And it was like, I think it was like some anxiousness or some fear. And I was like, all the time, you know, it was like I had made contact at that moment. sort of before I was even a coach. It was, I was still drinking at the time, but it was like, it was an inception moment of like, oh, wait, I have these feelings and they're mm -hmm. kind of imp impacting me all day and I'm making choices from them and I'm impacting others through them. And so that's where I really started my own journey just around like, Oh, mm -hmm. I have feelings and normalizing that. And then being able to see how they play out in different situations, whether it be work or relationship, or um, I got really fascinated with how my feelings were um, impacting my relationship with my kids because kids will mm -hmm. make you have feelings, even if you don't want to, um, they're mm -hmm. just constant. And so with guys, I think it's a lot about that. It's like, how do they slow down enough just to even get beyond the, the basic, like, um, you know, there's a saying that men only have three feelings, which are two feelings. It's like fine and angry or fine and upset. So you ask the guy, how are you doing? It's like, fine. 
how you doing now? I'm angry. You know, it's like, uh-huh. but the truth is there's a much broader spectrum. And so I think for men listening, it's just like, how do you make contact with what you're feeling so that you can then show up for the people in your life and not just take out your feelings on people. And I think Tara's totally. been a classic when I, I thought that I was like this emotionally kind of intelligent person, but I didn't realize how much I was just sort of like spewing emotion sometimes, you know, and like, mm. and, um, how I wasn't really able to like even monitor or, or sort of titrate the flow of my emotions. Titrate. Mm-hmm. Like, go to the next level, you know, like yeah. some of this comes through and some of Tara's talked to me about polarity and new stuff I had never really heard about. Yeah. I don't know if you talk about on the show, but yeah, uh, we do. And then couple. have you worked with a coach or a therapist um, yourself? Like what kind of, have you done, like what kind of shadow work that you feel like also, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm curious around the coach of the therapy or not. Yeah. yeah the dream work was really the first shadow work because dreams are mm-hmm. often very shadowy, right? It's sort of yep. stuff comes through our dreams. That was probably the beginning. And then um, I was part of a, a program that no longer exists called interchange counseling, Yep. which is a whole nother discussion, but I did a bunch of work there. And yeah, think, you did a lot of receiving and giving counseling. Yeah. I think a lot is binary, but I think if the man is listening or the woman's listening and thinking about their man, either men are doing the work and working with someone or they're not. It's like, it's pretty like, you know, either guys are finding a coach or a therapist or in a men's group or finding a program like the mankind project or doing, just doing anything. Yeah. And I think some men, like for some men that there's so much low hanging fruit that doing anything will have a quick exponential return. Like mm. if you go from not seeing a therapist your whole life to then going for three months, right. you're going to like, the return is going to be. It's so like, true. So <laughs> at some point. And I think that's sort of what I experienced in my life and why I had to make changes was like, I plateaued, yeah. but I don't know. What's your sense? Yeah. And then men's work. Can you speak for a minute about how you feel like men's work is um, for men different than one-on-one, like what it has provided you? Yeah. I think that um, men need each other desperately and men um, I've heard a lot of guys I've talked to manipulate their therapy sessions and they basically created a container where they're still in control and they're sharing just what feels good. And sometimes they're flirty with their therapist and it's, um, a weird, like I've heard all kinds of weird things of what men are getting it. But when men sit in a group and they mm. watch another man shed tears, or they watch another man talk about their partner or their mother or their father, something magical happens that I won't even try to pretend I understand. Wow. Wow. I just got chills. Yeah. I think one-on-one work is super important and I don't, I'm not against it, but I think every man deserves the opportunity to sit in circle, in tribe, in community, in group to get the catharsis of going, Oh shit. I'm not the only one experiencing like this. And I think men are, um, yeah, we're self-centered sometimes and we think it's just us. And once they realize it's not, then they can actually do the work to fix it or to, um, to heal. But if they just think it's us then it's like, what? well, then it's like, then I'm burdened or I'm cursed or, and that, that is too much for anybody to overcome. So yeah, I'm a big fan of getting in a group. I think it's super helpful for men. Thank you. That's so helpful to hear that. I'm curious when you guys um, are triggered and if you can get into the nitty gritty, because I really love hearing like, how do you support each other, reassure each other, work with it when one of you is triggered and one of you isn't triggered? And then what do you guys do when both of you are triggered and like getting into the nitty gritty so people can think about what they might want to do also? 
or, you know, just what it looks like? So we've been in deep conversation about the universal human habit of making it all about ourselves <laughs> and mm-hmm. found that the best possible thing to do when the other person's triggered, if we're grounded or whoever's the more recent, yeah. is yeah. to not make it about ourselves. Right. And so like, if he gets triggered about something, my, my go-to would be like, I caused this, this is about how much he loves me or doesn't love you. Like this is, has something to do with me and my behavior when in fact it's completely could be completely unrelated to me or, you know, like be about him. And sometimes he's literally saying this is about me and not you. And then the patterning wants to make it about me. And so Mm. so that solution has been for both of us to be, you know, we joke about it with each other. Like, are you making this about you or making this, I'm going to make this about me and, you know, take this all very personally. And we wind up having to correct each other. Like, you know, when like one of us, like I'll go off on a tangent that, about myself when I'm supposed to be listening to him and <laughs> each other back in. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's a really nice that. meta to have as a, okay. Like, yeah. Am I making, or a good question to ask yourself, am I making this about it, me or can I just make it about him and allow him to have his experience as it is. Yeah. Yeah, Like no one actually wins when I make it about me. Like I don't win. He doesn't win. Nobody wins, but it seems like the safest move is to make it about myself. And so correcting this behavior has been really instrumental in being able to. And then another thing is, um, you know, we'll, we'll just be really loving with each other. Like, I love you. And, you know, we each have things that we individually need to hear in those moments and just remembering what those are saying the comforting things staying present being available and responsive all the things which is extra important again because we will both go to anxious when stressed 100 right Right. so both of us need that just treating each other the way that we want to be treated yeah cool anything Mm -hmm. else of no, I just think, I just marvel. I think it's like, it's such a life hack. It's like, can I make this not about myself? Like, like, I mean, I've made everything about, I've even made Tara past about myself, you know, like past relationships. Like, but like, it's like, it's so funny to me. It's like, however my psyche wanted to internalize that and then have a thing about it. You know, it's like, I, I'm so, I actually marveled by it because it's like, there's nothing to do about it. Like, it's like zero my business and I don't know, it's not about me at all, but like the human capacity to turn everything into digestible material that is for us to to do something with is remarkable. So yeah, I also just, the ego, yeah, the ego, like, so the ego loves that shit. And I I think the part I would just say for me about that kind of life hack is like, it's actually a lot less work. Like if something's going on for Tara and I can actually catch myself or I'll now, like she was saying, we'll make it a joke and I'll go, you know, I think I'm just going to make this not about myself and you can continue talking about whatever you're, whatever's going on over there. And then I get to just relax and kind of be the good guy and just be sweet. Right. And I don't have to turn it into a whole thing. It's hard because like you started by asking about triggers, you know? So it's like, once you're triggered, you can't not be engaged in protecting or defending or doing something for the self. But, um, well, what you're talking, I'm going to go meta here. So what you guys both are talking about is a hack to put you more in secure mode. Mm. So when you say, oh, wait a second, I'm not going to make it about myself. Then you're suddenly stepping into a secure stance of ah, everything's fine. I can just hold space for this person. This is about them. This is their feelings. I'm just going to c- calm my nervous system, be regulated, 
be safe and they're a safe space. I'm a safe space for them to have those intense feelings and they're going to be, and I'm going to reassure them and they're going to be fine. And another thing that makes a huge difference is the container that we're in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that we're engaged and um, that also really helps because it's nobody's going anywhere. We're moving right. towards a future of being together. There's not a question there. Yeah. And I think that having conflict in a container where that's not clear, it becomes very hard not to make it about oneself. It's like it's right. too risky and too dangerous. Totally. Commitment is a very powerful container um, and it allows work to happen, safety to happen that might not be able to happen. Um, beautiful. Well, I was going to say also like the thing I've been learning too about anxious is that like even if the person like if I hurt Tara, it's going to make me feel anxious. So I'm not necessarily going to just be insane for Tara if she hurts me in some way. She's not just going to be all like secure and safe. It's like it's scary because like you just hurt the person they're anxious about, and yeah. so you don't resp- like I've noticed that I don't respond well. So if my if I say something that's hurtful my first response after that isn't like usually very clear and kind. It's sort of like defense. Like I kind of like, it's hard to just not make it about ourselves because yeah. scary to hurt somebody when you're anxious. Exactly. It's very scary. Yeah. Scary. Exactly. You don't want, you don't want to hurt someone if you're anxious because why don't, what, what comes up for you Zev? Cause it might be really different for each person. I'd be curious. For me, what oh. comes up is just like the, um, the fear of like the distance that it creates. Yeah. Fear that this, the closeness won't come back or that like, um, I know it's irrational, but it's like, just for that moment, like I still want the good, the good, basically like I want the love. Yeah. The simple, I want the love. And when I do that, I can feel the retraction. And as a sensitive person too, I, I can feel that retraction. And now there's distance. Yeah. I, me, I'm like, oh God, either I have to have the resource to like go close the gap on that distance. Yeah. The anxiousness is that person will never come back towards me. Mm-hmm. Like I do a huge sort of apology and, you know, like do it, like I do a lot of work. To, so I think that's my story. Yeah. But so then immediately it's just scary. It's just like, oh shit. Yeah, exactly. And that just for everyone listening, that can cause the fawn response, which I definitely know personally very well which is, yeah, let me do everything to people, please, to make you feel better so that we can come back into connection. So that's a really powerful thing for the listeners to feel into, which is when I do something that causes conflict or hurts my partner, do I then go into fawn, fawning, people pleasing so that I can reconnect, so that I can have the love again? so that it can feel safe again in the connection? Or can I tolerate the dissonance and tolerate the conflict and tolerate the hurt or the pain and trust that through our communication and our sovereign sense of selves that we can resolve this? So this is a really big piece that is so powerful to really feel into in your body because all of this is in the body. So the trauma that created that fun response, it's in the body. And so that's the work we do in the Empower Love program is really helping you heal those moments, those parts of you that, you know, go into those places 
that are actually the people pleasing, the phoning is actually not that helpful for a secure relationship. And so, so beautiful Zev, that you're able to, both of you are able to have awareness of those parts aware or awareness of, oh, wow. Like it's scary when my partner's hurt because awareness is so powerful. I really am grateful. I've never heard the term fawning like that. And I really could feel it in my body. Like I felt like kind of like a, a healing of sorts around like, mm. like not wanting to do that anymore. Not wanting Tara to have to do that either. And to just be like, this is not a fault. Like, like this isn't the time for those things. Like I, I really get the transmission of what you're sharing. Really helpful. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just go over the defenses, which is fight, flight, fawn, and, um, Fight, fight, there's one more. Oh, freeze. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, those, you know, personally, I uh, mostly do um, fawn, freeze, and flight. Those are the ones that I'm the best at. Those are my best. I love those ones. Yeah. <laughs> We're both ENFPs too. So. Um, so, yeah, those are like, I'm very fluent in those. I'm very good at those. And so I've really had to learn. And yeah, the freeze too. Wow, that is a big one that, again, comes from trauma. And through my own trauma work, I've really been able to work through that one. So that's huge um, for being able to communicate, right? If we're in freeze, it's like you can't actually say the thing that you need to say in order for uh, you, again, to have your sovereign sense of self in relationship. So Tara, what about you? Which one are you? Which, which one? I like to freeze, <laughs> fight, and fawn. I think flee, my- not, not as much flee. Yeah, no, that's true. Yeah, you're like, well, I don't want to go away from the person. Yeah, you're unique. And like, I've never met somebody who could be upset and be like, please don't, where are you going? Like that. I didn't say go anywhere. Right. Yeah, you don't but flee can also be um, disassociating. So you, yeah. 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 Like, you go do all four. I do all four. I right. Like energetically I, leaving. Exactly. I yeah. think I do them all at once, actually. I don't know. Right. Don't <laughs> I don't know. I'm for that. No, you can't do all four. Because when you're frozen, you're not fighting. Like fighting is very that's true you can't i think i think that was a joke no, no, no. No, anybody could do all four it might have been tara so i just had to take a moment <laughs> totally, to figure totally. Out if it's true or not because if, if you haven't met tara she's remarkable and can do a lot of things right totally yeah. all right um love it so um i'm wondering um for the women who are listening, who are single, what is the number, both of you, I want to hear both of your answers. And I ask every single couple this question and I love it. What is the number one trait? If you could only tell them one trait to look for in their next partner, what would that be? Great. I feel like it's personalized though, right? Because yeah, but there's wisdom here. For both of you guys are going to share your wisdom. For me, it was emotional intelligence. So I don't know if this is universally true, but for me, that was the one trait that I failed to value highly enough in the past that turned out to make the biggest difference in my 
enjoyment of the relationship. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or would it be, I'm going to challenge you on that. Great, please. <laughs> would it, from what you said in the beginning, is it emotional intelligence or is, or is it emotional responsiveness? I'm curious. I think they're one and the same. I think an emotionally intelligent person who's truly emotionally intelligent will be responsive. Mm-hmm. Got it. Thank you. Right. You're suggesting that someone could have sort of awareness of their emotions, but not necessarily be responsive with the information. Cause that's how I define emotional intelligence. It's like, it's not only that you know your emotions, but you can also read someone else's and then you know what to do with that information. Got right. it. Package. That's how I define it. Yeah. That was it. Socially responsive, but not emotionally intelligent. That's not going to feel very exciting for me. Right. right. Beautiful. Thank you. I mean, I'm really struggling to like how to bring it to one. Like, what is that one? You know, I, it's hard. Like, I guess I could try to articulate it as such to be more like a narrative, a parable or a narrative, which is like, somebody who's willing to um, squeeze you so tight, but also open their arms for you to like choose mm. for yourself and put you on that, that, um, that path to be clear about what it is you're after, you know, and, and to like, to create that, you know, and I think that's the thing I found in, in my life is like, there, there's this quality towards a, a spaciousness. And also like a, like, if you think of how I describe, there's a spaciousness and a vastness to the person. Mm, mm-hmm. the beginning you know it's like it's one mm. thing you're in once you're in a relationship that's different but i'm saying like at the beginning there's sort of a feeling of like spaciousness to be yourself and to to engage with the person but also a vastness of how far you could go together yeah yeah i don't know if that makes sense for mm. i had to do one that's my way of trying to like work a lot of material into 12 I, like I would say it was like i was looking for a woman with a beautiful voice and then i met her and on the first date she played me a song and i was like this is probably, you know, I was like, it's like, this is probably the woman for me. So that's like, I- and I wanted a man who was guided <laughs> by prayer. And then I saw his Chinupa um, sacred medicine pipe. And yeah. Yeah. It really definitely feels- guided by prayer. This man, for sure. First time we met. So that was weird. You know, there's like <laughs> other weird stuff. So it's, that's not the question you're uh, asking. But, but it's, it's the true. one thing to look for. Like, does the person <laughs> Oh. does it feel different than all the other experiences of meeting someone? Like, does it like, mm-hmm. like um, are you caught off guard? Is it like, cause I think what happens is like, at least even for myself, like I thought I was like going to do all this dating and stuff. I like had this really clear intention. Like I had just been married. I was going to do a bunch of dating. <laughs> that was going to be my thing. And like, it was just not what was in store for me. The universe always has. Yeah. And so it's like just being, I think being present to that in dating and in meeting people, like what's actually happening versus like, if we're looking too hard, sometimes, you know, yeah. it's, thing. it's like surprise. I think too, like one of the biggest lessons for me in this relationship is that when it's right, it feels right. And until I had felt that rightness, which was never, because obviously it was never right until it is. Yeah. Um, I didn't have a benchmark for that. And so I kept trying to project rightness onto things that were not quite right. Right. um, Or working hard to make something right. that wasn't quite right. Yeah. Yeah. Like thinking, I'm sure it's right enough. You know, it'll work. Right. Zev actually had a different experience, which is that he had had the experience of what was right for him at the time. Right. When he and I met, he recognized it as a familiar experience of right. Totally. Totally. 
I would just say for anyone who is maybe curious about a situation in their life, um, whether it's the right dynamic, whether this relationship should go the distance, et cetera. It's like, I think if you're really wondering, that is the answer. And it's something I had a sense of until now. Um, maybe is a maybe. Maybe is a maybe. It, it, well, I, for me, a maybe is that like what I'm realizing is it's a, it's a no in terms yeah. of yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, that's actually what I meant. Yeah, maybe is a no until it's a yes. And so, yeah, yeah. don't move forward. Yeah. It's hard to believe that there is such thing as a full-bodied yes until yeah. until it's experienced, you well, know. And I also just want to say, I think for women or men who are listening, it's like, because I have friends who are- So that's every, so everyone, sorry, sorry, Zev, one sec. So everyone who's listening, thinking about, okay, like you- are able to have that experience of the full-bodied yes that you desire, even if it hasn't come in yet, doesn't mean that you can't have it. And Tara is an example of she didn't have it before she met Zev and now she has it. So just know there is hope. It is possible for you. And it's, yeah, any, anything is possible in the universe. And so of course, that's possible for you. And of course you get to have that. And if it, if you're feeling like, oh, it doesn't actually feel right. There's something, there might be a voice. I remember in my partnership, I definitely had a a small, quiet, they, they always say that small, quiet voice. It was like this small, quiet voice that was like, you know, leave basically. And it's like really listening deeply to yourself is so powerful. Go ahead, Zeb. Oh, I before I just wanted to say one more thing about that. <laughs> I think the full body yes is something we've all experienced, at least in some area of our lives. And mm. for me is to hold my love life to the same standard that I hold other areas of my life. Like I know if a house is aligned for me, I know if a career path choice is aligned for me, I know what that feels like to be in the full yes of it. And mm. I, because I was, I doubted that it could exist in the realm of relationship. I wasn't holding myself to that same standard. And I would just say that you can in fact, hold yourself to that same standard because it does. But did you, but you were before you met him probably. Do you think? Like, right before? Yeah. 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 You had gotten to a place where you were like, okay, I'm going to hold the same standard as these other areas and I'm not going to settle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. That's so helpful. Everyone listening. Wow. Like when, what is the area of your life where you feel a full bodied? Yes. It could be the work that you do. It could be your best friend that you have. It could be the place that you live. Like really, where do you feel? How do you feel that? What does that energetically feel like in your body? You get to have that in your love life. Go ahead. Sam. No, I was just, I, like, it's everything you two are saying is so what I experienced in meeting Tara. And that's clearly what mm. you guys are teaching in the program. I think. One of the things that sort of what I was saying about that spaciousness and vastness was like, Tara was really clear. She was looking for a partner. <laughs> I was pretty clear. I was not, you know, it was pretty like I had just come out of a long relationship. So I was like, just not thinking about partnership. I was just yeah. like about freedom. I was thinking like, like I said, dating and like 
experiencing what it's like to not be in partnership. And, uh, and so I think that both of our truths were clear from the start, I think is also was really helpful. But then I think back to the spaciousness, that I think Tara could see there was something special between us and I could obviously feel it too. And I was really um, very into her and was not in any way showing signs of like, I don't think we should hang out. It was like, I was, but I was just trying to keep it as open as possible for as long as possible. Cause that was where I was at. But I think there was some point where she said to me and she got some good counsel from people to just like, say like, she kind of gave me a little timeline. Uh-huh. It ended up not manifesting in terms of, I didn't take that much time, but it, it put a seed right. and go, I'm going to like, if, and this is, I think for really the men, it's like, and for the women too, it's like, if you're not going to commit, then let the person go and find the person they're supposed to be with. Like, I think we are all very selfish of keeping people who are not our people. And so That's I was a very like, high integrity. Like exactly. I, knew, I had to either let Tara go yeah. or I was going to have to, yeah. or, I, or I had a chance and I could keep her. Yeah, and she basically belonged to me, and I would own her for a substantial <laughs> time of life. We would call it marriage, you know. She <laughs> would own me a dower. No, sorry, <laughs> I was in a past life for a second. But the point is, is like there was this spaciousness in this moment for me to calibrate and for me to like, where I didn't feel pressure. Yeah, but I felt truth. And so I think that's like the like, how do you find that stretch point of like enough room in the container? I think you said like, oh, like you know, you don't have to decide today, but like. You know, there's only so long I want to do this sacred lovership stuff. You know, it's like I'm looking for a partner. And yeah. uh, I just think that's an important part for people listening to like that. Like it, it takes a second for anybody to realize what's what, you know, it's like we have to come into that knowing. And, and the then, boundaries, there was a boundary there. Totally, total boundary. Yes. But I yeah. never tried to convince him that he wanted partnership, which in the past would have been my move to like Go to. magically enroll him in the classic anxious like, attachment in partnership. Yeah. Yeah, let me convince you because I need to work for love. Yeah. No. And I I didn't feel that I didn't feel like we had to be together. I felt like I wanted to be together, but I was fine either way. And I just expressed to him that it was important for him to decide what his intentions were for the relationship so that I could then make a decision about what made sense for me. Yep. Very secure. Very secure move. Saying that he was ready to be in with both feet. Yeah. Beautiful. You're an amazing lady. (laughs) So um, I'd love to, I just got an idea as we were sitting here that I'd love to actualize, which is love to end with um, a prayer. So I'm wondering, Zev, since I know that prayer is one of your main technologies, and actually it's something that I'm wanting to deepen into more. So I'm wondering if you could share a little bit about about prayer and then maybe just lead us in a prayer for if it feels okay to you um, to lead us in a prayer for um whatever feels good around what we're talking about today. Cool. I was hoping you were going to say Tara's going to sing a song, but I guess you're <laughs> about to start the show because that's my favorite prayer is Tara singing. So totally. you have not heard Tara sing beyond the intro song, I definitely recommend listening to your songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, you have a new song that just came out, didn't you? Yeah, I just listened to it this morning. Oh my gosh, it's so good. Is really it called song? again? It's called Divine Harmony. Nice. About so- the power of music. And it came through a dream. Speaking mm-hmm. of dreams, that's come up a couple of times. Yeah. So the, cool. The dreams, people. Yeah. And that song, you can find it on Spotify, right? 
Yeah. I'm your yeah. promoter for you. Now. Thank you. Yes. Actually, we have to say about prayer. Though. Prayer. Okay. So prayer, I think, um, prayer, I mean, it just simply put, I think prayer has been around forever mm-hmm. and I think it got sort of kidnapped by religion. And so when we hear the word prayer, we think religion. And I think there's a movement happening now, which is taking prayer back and giving prayer back to the people, which is how it's always been. Mm-hmm. If you look at indigenous community, nobody owns prayer. It's just prayer. It's like water. You know, everybody has access. Mm-hmm. To Everyone needs prayer. And, and the basic- yeah. And just for, just to pause you for a sec, cause we have a lot of religious people who we work with. And so I'm just want to just give a shout out that prayer is in religion and how awesome is that? Right. Exactly. And it's also for people who are not in religion. Right. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for adding that. Cause I grew up yeah. in a Jewish family and that's yeah. where I learned, you know, Judeo Christian um, orientation to God and monotheism and um, was a huge part of my childhood and really informed my prayer practice now. But I guess I have started to, when I talk about prayer, uh, talk more um, openly about the idea that prayer is for everyone. I love so it. If you are a devout Christian, then you already are in. You know about prayer and you get what I'm talking about. And so I guess sometimes I don't speak to that person because I know they get it. Um, but for <laughs> somebody who um, wasn't part of a religion and then has left or somebody who's never done it, it's just like prayers for everyone. And the basic premise, like you have in, in you know Judeo Christian uh, philosophy, which is that we all have direct access to our Creator. That mm. there's no um, buddy between us and God, and and mm. He can speak. You know, I like to think of prayer as like the little red phone that you can pick up anytime. And so, hey God, I need some help, you know, or, Hey God, I want something, you know, it's my birthday's coming up and I want this or, Hey God, I'm looking for that partner. And like, you can ask big and, and God doesn't have like a, you know, a sense of like, that's too small of an ask. It's sort of like, how, how worthy are you? And I think that's one of the things prayer has taught me is like, can I be worthy to ask for what I'm asking for you know, mm. level? And that's been the big healing for mm. me. I don't, when I pray to, to, when I pray, to what we might call God or the source of all life or spirit or whatever feels good to people, um, create tricks, you know, her, him, like it, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's just like that. I, I have a deep sense that um, there's something out there listening and there's something out there curious to know if I'll know what I'm worth and what I'm, what, what is, what I'm capable of asking for. It's kind of like, I'm a parent. So sometimes I laugh because I'm like, my kids could probably ask me for anything and they don't, they, they really don't ask for too much. Um, but they probably could ask for more and I'd probably do it, you know, totally. <laughs> a little bit like that too, you know? Um, and then I think I really love how I learned to pray with my teacher, George Bertelstein at a medicine mm-hmm. path, native American church. And he just has a really, is a book called a clear and simple prayer. Mm-hmm. For anybody listening is just like, I don't even know where to start. It's like, you know, it's just like, what are you grateful for? What are you struggling with? And what's your ask for help? Um, and so it's a really great way to just simplify prayer. And then I also think humans like holding things when we pray. Like if you notice, like people put their hands together, people hold a cross, people hold um, a feather, a cup of water, mm. something about touching something. Mm. We pray that I think activates the prayer. Yeah. Um, most indigenous cultures and most religions know this. That's why there's like kiddish cups and um, there's the cross, like I mentioned, and mm-hmm. um, we just have the, ma- the mala beads, right? Like Hindus have a ton of stuff, right? It's like, Right. something like you're making a prayer i recommend touching something because i just i don't know why but it seems to help yeah uh, yeah is that helpful that's beautiful do you want to lead a prayer for us and i would say tara was definitely an answer prayer for me there's no doubt i mean i pray mm. for someone who could be my partner and be somebody who could be um you know my friend and partner and, and spiritual you know wife co-pilot mm-hmm. yeah, so, yeah. yes I, I do believe in the power of prayer and 
I think mm. mixed in with all the skills you're teaching people in your program, I think everybody can find their person. You know, I think it's really possible and um, mm. just got to keep moving forward. So in that sense, I would just say the prayer, I would say <sighs> great spirit creator of us all. I give thanks for this opportunity to sit with these two amazing women who have created just such a beautiful offering that has helped so many people and give thanks to all the women who and men who have known that there was more for them and the reach for the help. Thank you for all the people that reach for help when they need it and know that mm-hmm. they're need of the help. And mm-hmm. I know that there are people struggling right now to find the person that they want to be with and call their partner. And I, I just pray God that you will help each of those people to find their person, but also in the journey to find that person, find themselves and find their courage and their strength mm. and their full empowerment and find their yes to life and, and all the things that they're a hell yes to, like make it clear for them when that person steps in front of them, that they are part of that. Yes. That, that beautiful, you know, spirit oriented. Yes. And pray mm. for people all over the world and for all the children, may everyone be safe and blessed and have good food to eat and have all the, the love that they could ever imagine and bless mm. and this podcast and Tara mm. and this business and all of her music offerings and just bless mm. everybody who gets to hear this. May they all get something good from it. Mm. Thank you. Thank you. So, so beautiful. So, yeah, thank you so much, both of you for engaging in this conversation. It was super fun, super healing, super growthful. And I'm just so, so grateful. Thank you so much for having us. What a treat. You two are so great. Thank you so much for listening to Rewire Your Attachment Style. This is Maya Diamond to receive your two free gifts to help you on your journey to lasting love and to start rewiring your attachment style today. Go to empowerlove.us forward slash love.